Section 3 of the Quatrains of Omar Khayyam of Nishapur Translated by John Payne Introduction, Part 3 Read by Algy Pug Of the existing editions, under which name I include, for brevity's sake, translations and paraphrases generally, of the Rubaiyat, four only call for notice. And of these, the German translation of Herr Bordenstedt, which is generally considered to be the most scholarly, and, on the whole, the most adequate, it is unnecessary to do more than mention, as it hardly comes within the scope of the English reading public. The Variorum edition of the Persian text of 500 quatrains, published in 1880 by Mr. Winfield, although disfigured by some errors of the press, which might have been avoided by a more careful correction of the proof-sheets, is valuable as a conscientious work of a capable and painstaking scholar, and the introduction neatly and unpretentiously summarises most of the available information concerning Kayam's life and work. But the appended metrical translation does not, to say the least of it, add to the value of the publication, and can scarcely be called either adequate or elegant. The edition of Monsieur Nicolas, 1867, on the other hand, is a somewhat slovenly reprint of an inferior text published at Tehran and comprising 463 quatrains. The notes are, for the most part, insignificant when they are not valueless, and at times even ridiculous, and the prose translation printed in the face of the Persian text is exceedingly loose and incorrect. In brief, Monsieur Nicolas's work is only one more instance of the common error of supposing that the colloquial knowledge of a language is sufficient, without other literary equipment, to enable the possessor to deal with the difficult literary enterprises of translation, etc. An error of which salient examples are afforded by Mr. E. W. Lane's selections from the Arabian Nights, made at a time when he had little or no literary knowledge of the Arabic language, and consequently swarming with errors and mistakes of all kinds, of which I myself noted, on a cursory perusal, some fifteen hundred, and of which many more would no doubt be brought to light by a more minute examination, still left uncorrected by subsequent editors in the last edition, 1877, of the work with which I am acquainted, as well as by the complete translation of the same collection by my late friend Sir Richard Burton, who, although to say nothing of his extraordinary qualities as a man of action, in which capacity we must go back to the age of Drake and Raleigh to find his parallel, a man of incomparably higher intellectual gifts and general culture than Mr. Lane, had no sufficient acquaintance with literary Arabic, and was almost entirely destitute of that saving grace of literary faculty and intuition, without which, in undertakings of the kind, non haec sine numine, all other qualifications are but a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbals. He possessed, it is true, a considerable knowledge of Oriental customs, and had, in particular, the immense advantage over Mr. Lane of the use of my previously issued translation of the whole of the Thousand and One Nights, which he followed, in the main, closely, and from which he again and again borrowed whole pages in difficult passages, such as are of frequent occurrence in the work. But, in the case of the two stories of Zain ul Aznam and Aladin, the Arabic text of which was only discovered by Monsieur Zoltenberg in 1887, he was obliged to rely on his own resources, 
unaided by my translation, the corresponding volume of which was not issued till 1889, and the result was, as the Arabs say, a warning to those who will take warning, his version of these two stories containing some five hundred blunders of the most unqualified description, as may be ascertained by any competent Arabic scholar who will take the pains to compare it with the original and with my translation, where I have indicated the passages in question by italicised quotation in the notes. The fourth and last of the notable editions of the Rubaiyat, and in every respect, in view of its intrinsic poetical merit, and of the widespread popularity which it has, since the author's death acquired, both in England and America, the most important of the four is that of the late Mr. Edward Fitzgerald, of whose version, or rather paraphrase, my opinion is so exactly expressed in the prospectus of the present work issued by the Vion Society, that I cannot do better than reproduce the paragraph which refers to it, and which runs as follows. Mr. Fitzgerald's elegant paraphrase of a small portion, about one-eighth of the whole, although a charming poem which will always, on its own merits, retain its place in English literature, is so exceedingly loose, and often indeed so extravagantly wide of the mark, that it affords practically no idea of the original. And the other translations which exist, whilst a little more exact, are wholly destitute of the poetical charm which makes the earlier version, with all its shortcomings, dear to the lover of poetry. To this I may add that, with all my appreciation of the beauties of Mr. Fitzgerald's work, and I have been its sincere admirer since the day, nearly thirty years ago, when I purchased the second edition, then utterly neglected, for a few pence from a bookstall, it seems to me to have, of late years, been somewhat extravagantly overpraised, and I confess that I cannot but regard as deplorable that lack of the sense of proportion, a lack, alas, characteristic of our hysterical modern society, which leads a certain class of literary dilettanti to speak of Mr. Fitzgerald, elegant and charming versifier as he was, as a great poet, and to even him with his really great original. If we are to lavish such supreme titles of honour upon the Ganymedes and Hebes, the acolytes and torch-bearers of Parnassus, what resources will remain to us for the fitting qualification of the monarchs of our modern pantheon, of such paramount Olympians as Hugo, Gautier, Le Comte de Lille, Swinburne, Matthew Arnold? Hui! Nimit illec licentia! As for us, we can only say with Villon, God give us patience, whilst for those who deal in such extravagances, at the bidding of that deformed thief, Fashion, Navigent Antichairam, a course of hellebore is certainly indicated by the symptoms. It remains to justify the assertion, above cited, that Mr. Fitzgerald's paraphrase affords no adequate idea of the original, and this, I think, there will be little difficulty in doing. The book entitled Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam of Naishapur, rendered into English verse, printed anonymously, but afterwards acknowledged to be by Mr. Edward Fitzgerald, in its enlarged form of a second issue, published in 1868, and generally considered to be the standard edition of the work, contains 110 quatrains, of which it is possible, though with difficulty, to identify some 40 as being, after a fashion, rendered from the original Persian. 
Disiecta membra, detached thoughts and phrases from others of Kayam's Rebiat, are indeed to be here and there discovered by those well acquainted with the originals Rari Nantes in the vast whirlpool of Fitzgeraldian periphrasis upon which they have been launched by the English author. But the remaining seventy quatrains of the paraphrase have but a vague connection with Kayam's work and can only fairly be described by borrowing from musical terminology as a meditation sur des motifs de Omar Kayam. To make matters worse, Mr. Fitzgerald arranged his 110 quatrains, rendered, imitated, and original, which, so far as they can be said to belong to the Persian poet, were intended, as is evident to the most casual student of the latter's work, to be considered each as a separate and independent whole, after an arbitrary fashion of his own, stringing them, as he says, into something of an eclogue, thus substituting his own idea of their collective tenor for that of Kayam himself, and still further obscuring our view of the latter's general conception, already sufficiently veiled by the arbitrary alphabetical arrangement before referred to. To enable the reader to form his own opinion of the fidelity to the original of Mr. Fitzgerald's rendering, I subjoin half a score of his identifiable quatrains, taken from the 1868 edition, side by side with a literal prose version of the corresponding Rubaiyat. The selected quatrains may be taken as a fair, and even favourable, specimen of those which can be referred to their originals, whilst the remainder, or nearly two-thirds, of the paraphrase is too loose and too much obscured as to identify, by Mr. Fitzgerald's additions, alterations and retrenchments, to admit of confrontation with any part of the Persian text. Fitzgerald. They say that the lion and the lizard keep, the courts where Jemayad gloried and drank deep, and Bahram, that great hunter, the wild ass stamps o'er his head, but cannot break his sleep. Literal Translation that palace wherein Behram took the cup, the deer fawneth, and the lion taketh rest. Behram, who still used to take the gour, wild ass, with a lasso, thou seest on what wise the gour, tomb, hath taken Behram. Fitzgerald. What? Without asking, hither hurried whence? And, without asking, whither hurried hence? Ah, contrite heaven endowed us with the vine to drug the memory of that insolence. Literal translation. Since my coming with me was not the first day, and this going without will of intent to depart is, arise and gird thy middle, O cupbearer. Quick, for the cark of the world with wine I will to wash away. Fitzgerald. Some for the glories of this world, and some sigh for the prophet's paradise to come. Ah, take the cash, and let the promise go, nor heed the music of a distant drum. Literal Translation When they say to me, Banqueting with the Huris is good, I say that the juice of the grape is good. This ready money of present enjoyment, take and hold hand from that promise to pay of future bliss, for even the noise of the drum to hear from afar is good. Fitzgerald We are no other than a moving row of visionary shapes that come and go, round with this unillumined lantern held in midnight by the master of the show. 
Literal Translation This sphere of the firmament, wherein we are amazed, the Chinese lantern I think a likeness of it, the sun the lampstand, and the world the lantern, we like the figures that in it revolve. Fitzgerald Impotent pieces of the game he plays upon this checkerboard of nights and days, hither and thither moves, and checks, and slays, and one by one, back in the closet lays. Literal Translation We are the pieces, and heaven, that is, fortune, the player, by way of certainty, and not by way of metaphor. We make a little play on the board of being, and go back to the box of nonentity, one by one. Fitzgerald Said one, Folks of a surly tapster tell, And daub his visage with the smoke of hell. They talk of some sharp trial of us. Far, he's a good fellow, and twill all be well. Literal translation. They say, of the rising talk and prate, Turmoil, trouble, will be, And that dear friend, hard-natured, Morose, cantankerous, will be. From absolute good, except good cometh not. Be of good heart, for the end good will be. Fitzgerald That even my buried ashes such a snare of vintage shall fling up into the air, as not a true believer passing by, but shall be overtaken unaware. Literal Translation So much wine will I drink, that the scent of wine shall come from the dust, when I go under the dust. When over the earth of me arrive the crop-sick one, by my wine-scent he shall become dead drunk. Fitzgerald Indeed, indeed, repentance oft before I swore, but was I sober when I swore, and then and then came spring, and rose in hand, my threadbare penitence a pieces tore. Literal Translation Every day I purpose to repent at night, repent from wine-cup and brimming goblet, now that the time of the rose is come, vouchsafe me renouncement, in the season of the rose, from repentance, O Lord, repentance. Fitzgerald I tell you this, when, started from the goal, over the flaming shoulders of the foal of heaven, Parwan and Mushtari they flung, in my predestined plot of dust and soul. Literal Translation That day, when the courser of heaven, they made ready and established Mushtari and Perwin in the sky, this was our portion from the chancery of fate foreordained. What blame then is ours? Our lot thus they made. Fitzgerald For those who husbanded the golden grain, and those who flung it to the winds like rain, alike do no such aureate earth are turned, as, buried once, men want dug up again. Literal Translation Before that sorrows make a night attack on thee, command that rose-coloured wine they bring. Thou art not gold, O heedless know-nothing, but thee in the earth they lay, and again bring forth. These citations might, but for considerations of space, be multiplied fourfold. But the above will, I doubt not, suffice to convince my readers that Mr. Fitzgerald's poem, however charming it may be, and I myself 
as I have before said, freely admit its charm as intrinsic poetry, is in no way entitled to be called a translation of the Rubaiyat. To paraphrase Dr. Johnson's pronouncement on Pope's Iliad, it is a pretty poem, but not Omar Kayam. Had it been frankly put forward as a paraphrase of certain portions of the original, a free fantasia upon selected themes of Kayam, there would have been nothing left to say, or to do, but to accept it with gratitude as a notable addition, in its way, to English poetry, but to propound such a medley of imitation, variation, and sheer invention, as a rendering into English verse of the Persian text, is enough to make old Omar turn in his grave. After all, strange as it may sound in these degenerate days of log-rolling and press-nobbling, there is such a thing as literary conscience. Ein Schelm, says the German proverb, gibt mehr als er hat. And agreeable, as undoubtedly is the result of Mr. Fitzgerald's manipulation of the Rubaiyat, I confess that I cannot, for my part, but regard the process as something of a sin against literary morality. End of section 3